Hey, good morning. Welcome to King's Church. So glad that you're with us this morning. And if you, if you missed the last three messages, you've got to go back and listen to those. Those three messages lay the foundation for this message. Don't worry, though. You can catch those. You can still follow with us. Before I jump in, I want to invite you into an initiative that we're launching this week. And as you know, because of what you've generously given, we've already been able to provide $1,500 to feed families in need in our city during this COVID-19 crisis. And in addition to that, we've been able to support over 90 churches in India in partnership with other churches here in the States who are going through an incredible crisis during this time. But this week, we're launching a brand new initiative to provide hygiene kits to kids who can't afford basic needs. And our goal is to provide $1,800 worth of hygiene kits. So if you want to partner with us in this, you can go to our website, kingschurchkc.com give and click that drop down menu that says care for kids. It's about $30 per kit, so as, as many kits as you want to provide, you can do that. Or you can email us uh, at, at evans.out at gmail.com or send us a text to that number. Just say hygiene kits and send that text, and you can help us meet this need. So I can't thank you enough for your generosity. It's, it's making a massive difference in this season. Today I want to talk about what you do when your prayers aren't working. I want to talk about what you do when your prayers aren't working. If you've prayed much at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've prayed for something and you believed with all your heart that it was going to happen. It might have been a job or a family member who got sick. Maybe it was your marriage that was struggling. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, or maybe that you would be married because you're not. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, and maybe you're still praying and nothing seems to be changing and your prayers don't seem to be working. In Luke chapter 11, which is what we looked at last week, Jesus gives us the form for prayer. Here's what you say when you pray. But Luke chapter 18, he, he gives us a parable or a story with a purpose. And the purpose of this parable is simple. As Luke writes, Jesus told them this parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. The, the purpose of this parable is to encourage us to keep praying, to never quit coming to God with our needs, to learn to get back in the ring again and again. And, again. and, and listen, if you want to have an effective prayer life, you must hear this. Jesus foresaw the disappointments. He, he foresaw your heartache, the, the seemingly unanswered prayers. He saw it, and he knew that that would make us want to give up. And his heart is for you to not lose heart, for you to not lose a vision for meeting with God in prayer and having your prayers answered. But his heart is for you to come in and again and again and to make your request known to God. And every good story has a context. The, the story that Jesus told this parable, the context is a city, and the main characters are a judge, a widow, and an adversary. And so let's just start with the city, and this is critical. The setting of the story is critical. Jesus doesn't tell this story in a small town. The, the picture he paints is not that of a woman and a judge in an isolated event. The picture he paints is in the midst of a city, and if you're wondering what a city is, Wikipedia defines it like this. It says it's a large human settlement. So here stands this woman, and the judge surrounded by people and a legislative system that is allowing this judge to oppress a woman. you got to know this is not any woman. This is a woman who has lost her husband. In a society that women relied upon their father and their husband for protection and provision, without a father or a husband, this woman is defenseless, and likely she's struggling to provide for her basic needs. She's oppressed in a society that works against Clearly, there is an adversary in the story, someone who is committing injustice against her and making her life harder than it already is. And this injustice, it's not just once, it's continual. 
somehow in this system, a judge who neither fears God nor respects man is allowed to maintain his power. And let me just say, those two are connected. The, the fact that the judge neither fears God nor respects man. An atheistic worldview cannot lead to a value for human life. How can it? Evolving from slime and survival of the fittest do not lead you logically to value every single human being's life. A worldview, though, with a creative God who made man in his image after his likeness and breathed his own breath into us, only a worldview with God at its center logically leads to a deep respect for human life. And this respect for human life is from the womb to the tomb, which means that if you're willing to stand up and let your voice be heard to defend the life of the helpless in their mother's womb, you should also be willing to stand up and let your voice be heard to defend the life of the man on the street. And the Christian worldview calls us to stand for both. That's why our vision statement is that we exist to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you've ever had the thought that you don't belong in church, that you don't have a, a purpose in God's plan, let me just tell you that's not true. God has a purpose for your life, and, and you belong in this community or another Christian community like it. No matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, God has a place for you. And if you're not in a group, I want to encourage you, get in a group. Text connect to that number on the screen. If, if you're not on a team, get in a team. Connect text serve to that number on the screen, there's a purpose and a difference that only you can make because you're the only one that God has gifted and that he has planned your life according to the plans that he has for you. Verse 3, it says, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Can you imagine being this woman? No power, no influence in a seemingly helpless situation. And yet she continues to come. She, she continues to plead her case. And watch what happens. For a while, it says, he. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's the picture. It's not the, the woman who gives up, although you would think that she would. No, no, it's the judge who gives up. It's like when my kids ask me for a treat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then they keep coming. And I'm like, okay, just one. And then I say no 10 more times. And then, and then I say, okay, just one more, but none after that. I get worn down by them. They don't get worn down by me. Jesus makes a comparison in, in verse 6. He says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to cry to him day and night? Will he not delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Jesus puts the two side by side, the unjust judge and the just judge, the righteous judge, which is God. And he said, what's the point? He says, well, even the unjust judge will give justice because he's annoyed. How much more will God give justice to people he has called, to people he has loved, to people that he is for, people that, that his goodness and his mercy never fail towards them? How much more will God act on their behalf? If you're listening, you've given up in prayer. I'm here to tell you God will act on your behalf. He loves you. He cares for you. Keep coming to him, and your request will be made known. A few major points I want to make about what to do when it seems our prayers aren't working. Point number one, know that God is working while you are waiting. God, God's people are not unfamiliar with injustice, familiar with waiting. Open the book of Exodus, and you'll find the people of God were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years of oppression, 430 years of being under a ruler who viewed them as property, 43 decades 
of slavery. You better believe they were praying. You, you better believe they thought at times, man, God has forsaken us. You better believe that they were discouraged by the delay. You better believe that they thought, man, God is not working. But all the while, God was working while they were waiting. Joseph, God, God gave him a life, a vision for his life. And he was excited about that vision. He shared it with his family. And others hated him and were jealous of his calling. They sold him as a slave and left him for death. He was, he was wrongfully accused and imprisoned for a crime that he didn't commit. And right when he thought he might be vindicated in that moment, he was forgotten. Years Joseph waited for the calling of God on his life to be fulfilled. Years he waited. Now I guarantee you, he thought while he was waiting, what God promised me is never going to be. He waited and he waited and he waited. And all the while he was faithful and all the while he prayed. Years his life seemed to go further away from, not closer to God's call on his life. And one day in Genesis chapter 41, he was promoted in one day from prisoner to prince. In one day, his entire life turned around because God was working while he was waiting. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac, taught us the same exact thing. She was 65 years old when God promised Abraham that, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And from the day of that promise to the birth of their first son was 25 years. Can you imagine 25 years of waiting? But all the while, while while, God, while Sarah was waiting, God was working. Let me ask you this. What are you waiting for? What prayers have you given up on? Maybe family members who are far from God. Maybe a, a chronic sickness. Maybe a relationship that you've lost hope for. I want to tell you this today. And I'm, I'm here today preaching to someone who needs to hear this. God is working while you are waiting. Whatever you think is a denial because it's been a delay, I just want you to know it's not a denial. God is working while you are waiting. Point number two. Every time you pray, something happens. Every time you pray, something happens. I want to show you something from Mark chapter 8. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took him by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, he prays for a blind man. And you know what happens? He gets kind of healed. He gets partially healed. His, his prayers get answered in part, but not in whole. Jesus, he takes that not as discouragement. He doesn't take that as, okay, that's just the will of God for this man's life, that he would kind of see, that he would see men walking around like trees, but he wouldn't really see. No, no. Jesus takes that as encouragement. Okay, God partially answered my prayer. So I'm going to pray that he would fully answer my prayer. Watch what Jesus does. It says Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Listen, every time you pray, something happens. Elijah taught us this in 1 Kings 18. Three years prior, God told him, he said, Elijah, pray that it wouldn't rain. And James chapter 5 tells us Elijah prayed fervently that it would not rain. And then it didn't rain for three years. Three years later, God tells him to pray it would rain. Elijah goes to the top, and he gets down on his knees, and he prays, God, make it rain. And he sends his servant to look, and his servant comes back and says, sorry, boss, no rain. Elijah gets down on his knees and prays again that it would rain. Send his servant again. Once again, the servant comes back and says, sorry, boss, no rain. Seven times this happens back and forth. The final time, the servant comes back and says, Elijah, I know you've been praying for an incredible outpouring of rain, but there's just a little cloud in the distance like a man's hand. When Elijah saw that, he said, the downpour's coming. 
the rain's coming. God's answered my prayer, and I see just a little sign of it in the distance, so let's get ready for it. What happened? Elijah prayed it through, and God answered his prayer. What, what amazes me about this story is that God is the one who told him to pray for rain. God is the one who promised he would send the rain, and yet Elijah had to pray. One of my mentors told me, he said, Dylan, the promises of God are not passively received. They're actively laid hold of. The promises of God in your life don't happen by us just sitting back and waiting for them. No, the promises of God happen in our life when we go to God in prayer again and again and again, and we contend for it. What I love about this story is the, the number seven. The number seven biblically is the number of completion. Anytime something happens seven times, that means it's happened completely. People marched around Jericho seven times, one time every day, and then seven times on the final day. Peter asked Jesus if seven times was enough to forgive his brother. Jesus replied, he said, no, Peter, not seven times, seven times 70. Saying, Peter, don't forgive your brother completely. I want you to forgive him completely, completely times 10. Don't ever stop forgiving your brother. When, when Elijah prays seven times, it's the Bible's way of saying, Elijah fully prayed this through. He, he contended with God until he saw the promise coming. Like James 5, 17 if you've ever thought, man, that's Elijah. He's special. He's spiritual. He's, man, he, was, he was a prophet of the nations. I'm just an average Joe. Check it out, James 5, 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The only difference between Elijah's life and ours is often that we quit early. We don't believe that every time we pray, something happens. God wants to encourage you today. Get back in the ring. Get back on your knees. Come back to him in prayer and believe that he will work in your life. Final point, your prayer pleases God. Uh, we do a Bible, Bible reading plan every year. We're doing it right now as a church. And if you want to get in on it, you can simply text us Bible plan to that number on the screen. But I was doing this plan last year and I hit the book of Revelation. And I've read the book of Revelation probably 10 times. And I saw something I've never seen before. Revelation chapter 5, <coughs> excuse me, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 and chapter 8, verse 4 say the same thing. They say the prayers of the saints are offered by the angels as a pleasing aroma to God. That, that every time we pray, there is an incense that goes up to God, which are our prayers. Every time you pray, God is pleased with the fact that you pray. Even if your prayer isn't answered in this life or the way you thought that it would be answered, let me say this to you. Every time you get on your knees, every time you close your eyes to pray, every time you say, God, will you help me? Or God, will you do this? Or God, will you work on my behalf? Or God, will you help our marriage? Or God, will you help me to follow Jesus more? Every time you offer a prayer to God, it's pleasing to him. He loves it. He, he loves that smell, which I know sounds weird, but it is an incense to God when we pray. Know that every time you pray, you're pleasing God. He delights in it. And whether or not the situation changes, I'm, I'm praying that you and I, that we would find God in the seeking that our prayer would become the prayer of David in Psalm 27, 4, when he says, there is one thing that I've been asking of God. Yeah, I've got all my requests, and I've got all the, the needs that need to be met, and all the people that I want God to move in their lives. But man, there's one thing I'm asking of God, and that is simply this, that I would spend all of my days in his presence, that I would gaze upon his beauty, that I would hear his voice, that I'd be able to inquire in his temple. That prayer of David, I pray that's the prayer over our lives, that that even if the answers don't come the way we expected or when we expected, that we would find God in the seeking, that we would become desperate for His presence, like Psalm 42 says. 
where David prays, as a deer pants for a flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There's this desperation in his presence. And if you're listening to this and maybe you're looking for a magic formula, Dylan, what can I do? A plus B equals C. What can I do to make sure everything I want comes true? Well, just to say God is not a genie in the bottle. He doesn't always do it according to our plan. He doesn't always do it the way we think it should happen, but he always works good on our behalf. And I can tell you this, Revelation 21 tells us there is a day coming where sickness will be done away with, where evil and injustice will be gone, where every tear will be wiped from our eyes and every wrong made right. And today we have been given the power of prayer. And when we pray, things that would not otherwise have happened, happen. History changes when we pray. God works when we pray. And we have a privilege and we have an honor to bring heaven down to earth in our prayers. We have, a, we have the privilege and the honor to bring God's will into our reality when we pray. And our hearts grow a longing for what will only be when we see him face to face, when we get on our knees and pray. And until that day, I pray that we not lose heart and we continue to come. We continue to, as Jesus said, ask and seek and knock, that we may receive our answer and that we may find God and that he may open the door to us. Three tips before we go. Number one, pray scripture. We don't need to guess at God's will. He has revealed it to us in the scriptures. And if you just want to open the scriptures and find a psalm or one of the prayers in the New Testament, simply pray that prayer. You can know that you're praying according to the will of God in your life, and you're, you're going to experience power in that prayer. We actually put together a prayer booklet for you, which you can get for free. All you need to do is text prayer booklet to that number on the screen. We'll send it to you this week. And throughout that prayer booklet, there are scriptures you can pray and prayers you can pray and just kind of a uh, process to go through to help you engage with God in prayer. So text prayer booklets, that number on the screen, we'll send that to you this week. Number two, pray specifically. Don't ask generally, ask specifically for what you need. It's a good thing to pray, God, bless me, but it's even better when you say, God, I need this dollar amount to pay this bill, or God, I, I want to see you move in this way in this family member's life. And the reason that's so helpful is because when you pray specifically, you can thank God when he answers that prayer. One of the greatest blessings in my life is a little prayer journal that I keep. And I write down specific prayer requests, and then over the years I can go back and, and sit, man, God answered that, and God answered that, and God answered that. It encourages and stirs my faith to pray more when I see the, the prayers he's already answered. Number three, pray simply. Don't try to impress God. Don't try to come up with big fancy words. It doesn't do you any good with God. And, and it honestly, don't try to impress people when you pray. Pray simply, pray like a child, pray with a faith that's a heart that's full of faith, and then simply tell God what you need, and He will answer that prayer. If you come to God like a child, you will see power in your prayers like you, like you never would have believed. Jesus finished this parable by asking a question. He says, When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? I pray He find faith in our lives. I, I pray He find us on our knees praying more than he finds us on our knees worrying and trying to make it happen ourselves. And if you don't know him, I want to invite you to take a step today. Maybe you need to learn more. I just want you to know this is my personal number on the screen. You can send me a text. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about God or faith, about what it means to follow Jesus. If, if you'd like to read through a book of the Bible and just get to know who is Jesus Christ and really what did he say about himself, send me a text. I'd be happy to get that started for you. But Maybe today you've, you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus. 
you've never received a new life in him and you're ready to take that step, I just want you to know you can do that by praying this prayer with me. And wherever you are, you can close your eyes or repeat it out loud, maybe repeat it in your head, but pray this prayer and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to receive forgiveness and life from you and I want to commit my life to following you. So wherever you are, repeat after me and pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe you are God's son. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and three days later you rose from the dead. Please forgive me for all my sins. Please give me a new life with you. I commit my life to following you. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit to live the life you created me for. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we are celebrating with you. And you can just send a text to that number on the screen, Pray text SAVED to the number on the screen, and we'll be in touch this week. And if you want to get connected to this church, this community, again, you can text CONNECT to that number on the screen. Someone will follow up this week. I want to give you a moment right now to give. If you give generously and faithfully to King's Church, I want to thank you. And if you want to do that at any time, you can go to kingschurchkc.com slash give and help us continue to do the ministry that God has called us to here in Kansas City. I want to finish this time by praying for you and thanking God for you. So if you just want to join me wherever you are, Father, I thank you for this time together. Even though it's digital, even though it's online, God, I thank you that we can gather like this under your word that we can find our hearts encouraged. I pray that we would not lose heart, but we would give ourselves to a life of prayer. I pray that we would be refreshed by your presence. We'd be encouraged by your word and that we, you would stir up in us a life of faith and a life of prayer that will seek you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We're honored that you'd spend some of your morning with us. And if this encouraged you in any way, find that share button, post it on your page, send it to a friend. You never know how God might use this message to change someone's life. Love you so much. We'll see you next Sunday at 10 a.m.